Yo, what's good, everybody? Welcome back to the, the silver blub, 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 again, please. <laughs> Yo, what's good, everybody? Welcome back to that the Celtics Collective podcast brought to you by Heavy on Sports. I'm your host, Adam Taylor. As usual, I'm joined by our resident NBA insider who likes to be known as a man of the people, a man of the past, present and future, Mr. Sean Devaney. What's popping, Sean? Hey, Adam, I, uh, I'm, I'm going to remember that intro because uh, I, might, I might have that tattooed on my forehead. I've got lots of tattoos. We can talk about the tattoo sitting I had the other day in a moment because it was long and painful. We're also joined by a special guest, Mr. Adam Kaufman, who has the most radio voice in all of Celtic <laughs> like, media. How are you doing, Adam? What's up, guys? How are you? Good to see you. We see it's like there's editing already been done on the voice before you actually go in and do the editing. It's just such an easy edit. Thank you, know, you for I, joining I us. Trouble around, you see, like I feel like this is just my regular voice, and I've talked to Sean enough times that I don't, I don't think I generally sound different. But I think what happens is I get, uh, I, I don't know, I get more like broadcasty when when I get all amped up and excited because my wife will constantly be like, "All right, can we tone down the radio voice and just you know, <laughs> talk like a normal person?" I'm like, "I don't think I'm doing anything different," but whatever. What do I know? So, fun fact: you was back when. When I first started podcasting, you was my second guest ever. And I remember coming away from that, like, man, I'm never going to be able to polish my voice to sound like that. <laughs> and then it wasn't until I started listening to your your podcast that I was like, no, that's just how he talks. Right? <laughs> so like, I, I can't get my voice to sound like that, but he didn't get his to either. You know, I just kind of... But I don't have an accent. So, you know, we, we each come in with a strength. I can't. I mean, to me, to me, you have an accent. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's all relative, I guess. Yeah, you you don't have the Boston accent, that's for sure. No, I definitely do not. Now, yeah, when you grow up on the South Shore, you don't have a Boston accent. I need. To, I, grew, you know, I grew up in Lynn, so when I when I go back to Lynn, it's uh, it's all Pacifica and all that. Yeah, maybe drop the occasional R after uh, after a drink or two, but it, not, it uh, not right yeah. now. See, I find it crazy how everyone I speak to from the Boston area do their utmost to just remove that accent from their their dialects, and then as they're getting more and more worked up, you can hear it start tweet like seeping in, and you're like, dude, just talk normally, dude. That's how you are. Just let well, the accent you, you know what you know what it is. I'm probably offending so many people out there when I say this, but like you know, I listen to you know like an Australian accent, an English accent, uh, whatever, like, you know, they, in, in their own way, like each one sounds like really smooth or really sophisticated or really, you know, like the, you get the whole, like, Oh, it's a French is the language of love and whatever else, like a Boston accent. You sound like an idiot. Generally, <laughs> like, like generally speaking, you just don't sound like a very intelligent person. doesn't mean well, that you're dumb. Really it doesn't mean that you're dumb. You just kind of have a dumb sound about you. You're gonna you're gonna hear from my mom. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna hear from your cousin Amy of mutual yeah, and Amy for sure. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> okay, before this show goes completely off the rails, let me just give you the rundown of how it's supposed to go, not how it's going to go, how it's supposed to go. Sure. So we're gonna start off talking about Marcus Smart because Marcus Smart has been exceptional all uh, over the last five, six games. We could say the whole season, but then we'd be lying. So the last five or six games, he's been exceptional. Then we're going to play a fun game. Mr. Sean Devaney likes his games, but he won't let us do that cooking game that we discussed earlier in the season for some reason. So we're playing Jason Tatum or else. Very interesting. We're going to read out players' names, and you're going to tell us if you take Jason Tatum or the other player. If you choose anyone but Jason Tatum, Adam will berate you on social media for a while. <laughs> yeah. And we're going to talk about Peyton Pritchard's emergence off the, the, the bench, or as the young kids would say, his emer emergence from the gulag. And then we're going to talk about the Steve Ballpet discussion with Al Horford regarding his long-term future with the team. And then we're going to close with a prediction on Robert Williams, which we did last week as well. But I'm just going to uh, say that we could definitely have some fun with this again now we've got Adam here. Okay, back to accents. No, I'm only joking. Yeah. So <laughs> I already feel like I need to make a list of people to apologize to. Like I'm, I'm in my head. It's like, man, can we edit that out? That was stupid. All right, no, go ahead. Go ahead. Dear Massachusetts, yeah, I'm sorry. I know I need to write a dear Massachusetts letter. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it could yeah. be worse. I'm I literally spend like 20 percent of my tweets are just berating the fact that I live in England. So you know, I offend an entire country. You'll be fine. <laughs> 
I'm completely okay with it. I'm sure one one state. You'll be okay. There's another, how many is there? 51 other ones you can move to? Yeah, that's right. You got plenty. You're plenty. Close. You're close. Loads of room. The pain in the ass to move, though. I'm pretty well set up here. <laughs> yeah, I've seen, the, uh, I've seen the background. Yeah, there you go. All right, then. So we'll hit on Marcus Smart first because he's definitely somebody else that doesn't want to move because he's well set up where he is, too. He's gone from being a bench rotation player down to up to the primary rotation player off the bench, like that six-man guy. Now he's leading the team, and in doing so, he is unquestionably one of the most informed guards in the NBA right now, playing two-way basketball, averaging around about, what is it, 7.1 assists on the season. If you do it over the last five games, we're shading up towards that eight, eight-and-a-half assists a game. And he's just balling out. He looks really improved off the dribble. How are you guys feeling about him? What's impressing you from him? I feel great. I I feel like we're seeing exactly what Marcus Smart always told us that, you know, he could be and should be and would be if given the opportunity. You got to keep in mind that he has had to wait through a series of, you know, certainly at the time, more heralded, more talented, more pricey point guards from, you know, Kyrie Irving, obviously. And, uh, you know, he, he had to sort of battle with Terry Rozier there for a little bit. Different story, obviously. Then, you know, there, there wasn't a full trust. Kemba Walker gets in here. And it's, you know, it, it really took a lot of patience on his part before really getting an opportunity to say, OK, you are starting. And not only that, you are the starting point guard. And it was, you know, to his credit, it was, you know, sort of toward the very tail end there of the Brad Stevens era and and more so the one year under Ime Odoka that sort of the the reins were off and it was, okay, Marcus, like you're the point guard and lead this team. And he just embraced it and succeeded with it. And, you know, I know some of the turnover numbers were a little inconsistent, but this year after a slow start, he's really gotten that into check of late. You know, the assist to turnover ratio has been incredible over the last couple of weeks. He's doing, he's just, he's doing great. What I would wonder, I guess, not, not ability, but sustainability. You know, I, I had uh, on, on my podcast, I had Abby Chin on uh, just a, a few days ago and I asked her about this very same issue. And uh, she with little kids, as I do, as Sean does, I don't know about you, Adam, she had really kind of the perfect analogy or or uh, or, or, or kind of metaphor for it. So the, the Berenstein Bears, there's a Berenstein Bears book where it, it's all about manners and and showing that, you know, it, like to, to really hammer home the point of like, oh, I can be polite. I can say my pleases and thank yous. You overdo it, right? Like you overcorrect to prove that you can be like super nice and then eventually water finds its level again. I wonder, and this is what Abby was saying. I wonder if we're seeing right now an overcorrection from Marcus smart saying, well, you don't think I can be the assist guy. You don't think I can not turn the ball over and, and, and play this true point guard role. Well, watch this. And he's doing it right now. And how long will that continue? Or does he sort of seep back down to, you know, he's more like a six, seven assist a game, a guy, and he's going to turn the ball over two or three times. That's sort of what I'm fascinated to watch here, Sean. Yeah. And, and, you know, he's nine and a half assists actually over the last six games uh, and, and very few turns. His, his assist to turnover right now is 4.3, which is seventh in the league. Uh, which is pretty incredible for the, mm-hmm. for this guy. Um, you know, Marcus has always, like, like you said, he's always seen himself as a point guard. The reason he went to Oklahoma State to begin with was because Travis Ford, the coach at the time, told him, you can be the point guard. We are going to start you at point guard and make you a point guard. Travis Ford himself, of course, was a great college point guard. So, you know, that's that's why he went to Oklahoma State. Everybody, there are tons of other schools that were recruiting him, but nobody would make the commitment to him to be a point guard. So, uh, you know, he's always seen himself this way. He's always seen himself as a playmaker uh, and as a guy who can do what he's doing now. Um, I, I, I do think he's he's probably a little over his head. You know, he had three turnovers the other night. That's the first time he's had more than tur- two turnovers since the second game of the year. He had five mm-hmm. in the second game of the year. Other than that, it's been all zero, one, or two, uh, which is pretty incredible. So, uh, you know, that's hard for any point guard to maintain. So I, I, I think we're seeing a, a really good run from him where he's really seeing things and he's really seeing the offense develop. Uh, the guys are hit, hitting shots too. I mean, that's that's always a key factor in getting uh, in getting assists. So uh, so that's working in his favor. But in the end, you know, I still think he is, 
you know, he's probably an average point. He's, he's probably, if you were to rank him, you'd probably have him 13, 14 uh, in the league as far as starting point guards go. Uh, and that's that's that, that that's about where he's at. He still has a shot, and, and you know, not to go off on a tangent, he still has a shot to make the All-Star team. I, you know, that sounds crazy, but if you're the Celtics and you're going to have three All-Stars, if you're the best team in the East, who's going to be the third guy? It's going to be Marcus Smart. So, uh, you, you know, oddly enough, he could be uh, – uh, he could be uh, an average point guard who winds up uh, uh, making the all-star team here. I think the the, the separator for him is talent-wise as a guard, he's definitely 13th, 12th. But the defense kind of gives him a whole different dimension that not many other guards in the league can actually lean on. You know, maybe Drew Holiday, if you want to classify him as a point guard, can do the same. But it's a very short list, right? And now we're seeing that like going back to what Adam said for a moment, like water finding its level, and maybe this is an overcorrection. What, and I need more about this Bernstein Bears. I never heard of this book, so I'd like <laughs> oh, to. Oh man, you have missed out. There's a cartoon and everything. Really? I know oh, we bear yeah, bears. Good. You got to work hard to find it streaming, though. It's out there somewhere. Oh, my my little one's far too old for that now. Um, <laughs> she's in high school. Yeah, uh, that's, that's not gonna do it. I don't think yeah, she'd be into it's it. It's not gonna work. Going back and like water finding its level overcorrecting, I think for me it's very much like maybe this is more Joe Mazzula empowering guys to be their best version of themselves and taking like taking the restrictions off of a role and be saying to Marcus, Hey, if you want to be the the facilitator, we we want you to do that because the more the ball is in your hands, the more we can ask Tatum to do his off-ball stuff and spread the floor with that off-ball gravity rather than having him bring the ball up and initiate plays and allowing the defense to kind of focus on J- JT and take away the passing lane to JB. So I feel like th- this might just be who Marcus Smart is now, but the fact that he's being empowered to be more of himself rather than to play a specific, very well-defined role could be a big difference. Yeah, if we get to January and he's still averaging seven, eight assists, I mean – I'll, I'll believe it, but you know, I, at this point, it's 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 been a pretty small sample size, um, and uh, you know, look, obviously, he's doing it. So I mean, he's capable of doing it. He's got that in him, and I do think some of the criticism that he got during the finals, the fact that they went out and got Malcolm Brogdon, uh, you know, because he probably heard like all like we all did, and we were all saying they need somebody who could be more of a playmaker. I think he probably took that to heart. Uh, but but I think it's probably going to be difficult for him to sustain this over a long period. Fascinating to watch, right? Yeah. You know, this, this is what they've needed him to be, especially early on in the year, and he's done it. You know, they've they've been shorthanded, as you alluded to, without Rob Williams and uh, even without Malcolm Brogdon these recent games. Neither guy is is playing in Atlanta, so that's you know interesting in in a whole different way. Seeing you know it's going to be the Derek White and Peyton Pritchard show, obviously, but these. You know, Marcus Smart has really uh, admirably sort of filled a role, filled a need. You know, they don't want, you know, we spent a lot of the offseason on on my show talking about Point Tatum and is, you know, is he going to be the, obviously not the literal point guard, but are they going to use him like a point guard? Is he going to be the guy that brings the ball up the floor? And I, I think that as successful as he certainly is, and he's having an MVP caliber year, uh, you know, and, and can handle the ball and, and be successful with the ball in his hands. You don't want him to have to be. You don't want him to have to be the guy. You want him to be able to play off ball, get open, do his thing, or create his own shot, obviously, when he has it. But as, you know, if Marcus Smart can be out there creating and, and you know, sort of as, as he's done this year and done it at times inconsistently during his career, kind of tighten up the shot selection that drives so many fans out there crazy, he can be a you know truly like as brad stevens likes to talk about or, or bill belichick likes to talk about you know it's not about necessarily being all nba or being an all-star it's about being elite within your role you know do whatever it is that is asked of you at the the absolute top of your game and marcus smart is is in a, a big way doing that right now i mean he he was the hero against okc in that fourth quarter he's the reason you know he wasn't the leading scorer that was tatum he wasn't even second that was brown but he is as much a reason they won that game as anybody else. And and look, he was he was the the center guy pointing right at you in in the middle of that Sports Illustrated preview issue, starting off the year as well. So he knows his importance. The team knows his importance, and his teammates know his importance. I'm just trying to think of who else used to say. Oh, it was the Rock. Do you remember the Rock saying, "No, you're old." Back on the WWF yeah. attitude. <laughs> I was just you said it. And he I was wasn't like, busy so telling people to shut up and calling them the B word. He was telling them to know their role. <laughs> yeah, he was doing both. To be fair, and jabroni yeah. was usually the word he'd go with, right? Yeah. 
Um, right, oh, let's move on. The smelling is cooking. <laughs> yeah, that was it. Oh, okay, let's move on. It's uh... <laughs> okay. So we're gonna play a game, Jason Tatum or else. I'm a very big fan of one of these because it's the best one here. But we're gonna start with guys under 25. So we're just gonna do a round robin. I'll answer last because I want to be able to ridicule whatever you answer. Okay. Um, just because you know, fun. So we're gonna start with. Adam will go you, then it will be Sean, then me. First one, Jason Tatum or John Morant? Uh, Jason Tatum. There was a lot of – I remember all the Jeff Goodman debate about that uh, last last season, but no, it's Jason Tatum. But I but I will say this. John Morant is the more exciting player to watch. Yeah, John Morant might wind up with more endorsements and such. That's that's entirely possible. But he's a point guard, and, and you know, I think at, at this point in the NBA – it's not hard to find a decent point guard. Uh, and 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 so that whole value over replacement player, give me Jason Tatum on that one. I really like John Morant, but this is a wings league now. The point guards have had yeah. their time. This is a wings league. Give me Jason Tatum. Yep. Jason Tatum or Anthony Edwards? Uh, Tatum. Definitely Tatum. As much as I like Anthony Edwards' uh, acting ability and he was great in hustle, it's Jason Tatum. Yeah, you know, and Edwards is having a rough year uh, here at the start, but, uh, you know, and I really like what he can, I, I like his attitude. I like his toughness, uh, but, uh, but, but I've got to go Jason Tatum there as well. One of my favorite young players in the NBA right now, yeah. but I'm still going Jason Tatum. Jason Tatum or Zion Williamson? Zion is, look, he's way too injury prone. He's going to be throughout his entire career, whether it's, you know, back or feet or knees, like, you know, typical big man stuff. Obviously he's, you know, he's oversized. He's not a, he's not a small guy. He doesn't look like he's in the, the, you know, his, his peak physical condition. Um, I would take Tatum, even if those things probably weren't a concern based on just what we've seen so far early in their careers, but that's all the more reason that I would be scared off of saying Zion. Yeah, 82 games of Zion. I might, we might have a, a you know, a debate there. Uh, but, you know, you, you're probably not going to get more than 64 games out of Zion Williamson in any given year, uh, maybe in every, any given two years, the way things are going for him. So, uh, yeah, I'd go Tatum there. I'm yet to hear a song that's been wrote about Zion Williamson. Jason Tatum <laughs> had one wrote about him recently. So, Jason Tatum. Jason it was a song Tatum. about Mo Bamba, though, so I want to, you know, just. <laughs> this is true. I mean, this is true. Yeah, I mean, that's fair, fair, but that was before he entered the league. This yeah. one, Tatum has already proven himself. And Deuce was singing the song in the car. Well, and have you seen that video of it? It's awesome. Uh, Jason Tatum or Paolo Banchero? Uh, uh, tougher. It's still Tatum for me because you got a proven entity versus, you know, just a, a guy that you think you know what he's going to do or could do. And and look, he has been uh, elite on sort of a mediocre, I won't quite call the Magic bad right now, but a mediocre team. Um, but, and obviously the size and, and ability at that size is undeniable, but to me, it's still Tatum. Yeah, I, I think this one is, is is fairly close for me as well, except that on the defensive end. I, I think Paolo at his peak uh, will be an average defender at best. I think well, what we've seen from Jason Tatum, he's become a, you know, just a really excellent defender. It's certainly a plus defender, uh, if not a potential, uh, you know, first team all defense uh, the way that he's been going. So that, that that's really the separator for me. I think that Tatum's playmaking will probably be a little bit better than what, is it Banchero or Bancaro? I've Banchero. heard both. Yeah, so I was going to go with Banchero. He, I think Tatum's playmaking will will continue to be at a level above what Banchero's is. Along with that defense, I do think that there's there's a slight shade of level that I don't think Banchero is going to reach when we match prime for prime. So I'm going to go Jason Tatum too. Obviously, in about five years' time, old takes exposed is going to at me if Twitter still exists, <laughs> and then I'm going to feel silly. Elon's going to have that thing in the ground by then. That's what I'm hoping for, man. <laughs> Jason Tatum or Luka Doncic? So this right here, this this is the toughest one for me. Uh, if we had, if you had asked me this a year ago, maybe even you know eight months ago, I would have said Luka with without any hesitation either. Right now, I think it's pretty even, and uh, I think maybe with some personal bias, I will give the edge to Tatum because sort of what we were just talking about the defense averaging everything out Tatum is obviously a much stronger defensive player that being said I mean if, if you were to ask me which guy would I be more afraid of 
uh, offensively who who just needs to take over, Luca is forever going to scare me. I mean, Luca is obviously an incredible player, uh, and I, I think I, I think it's really kind of a an, an A and B, and they're and they're both right there uh, on on the same plateau. But I, I will give a very slight edge and maybe it's homerism to Jason Tatum. I'm going to go Luca on this one, uh, you know, and and uh, <laughs> I know, I know, guilty. Uh, you know, just uh, he's off the charts right now. Now, I, I what you want to see from Luca? He's only 23. Obviously, Tatum's not much older, uh, but you know, he's 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 got to learn to be a better winning player. We've seen that from him in Europe. We've seen that from him when he plays. Uh, you know, certainly before he came to the NBA, uh, but also when he plays for the national team. Uh, and and you that know, the Suns was pretty good though. What's that? That upset of the Suns was pretty good. Well, yeah, yeah. I, I mean, they're, yeah, and they're capable of that, and 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 he's going to leave. But, you know, he's also such a high-usage player, and you want him to be because he's good, but he's got to find a way to, you know, make make other players around him better. Uh, that's going to be the next step for him. If he can do that, I think there's no question he'll be, you know, one of the top two or three players in the league, just like Tatum. And you can certainly, like you said, Adam, you can go A-B uh, with those two guys. I would probably take Luca right now. He's just sort of a, a force of nature to me. So I like Luca. I do think he's a bit too much of a heliocentric guy. Everything has to go through him. He's, he's the guy you pass the ball to, not the guy who passes the ball to you. And that's fine. And it, it, you know, you can build a team around that and you, you'll have a winning team. But I didn't spend the majority of Luca's career watching him develop. I didn't spend years watching him go through good phases, then through struggles. I'm attached to Jason Tatum. This is a Celtics podcast. I'm allowed to be attached to Jason Tatum. <laughs> I'm choosing Jason Tatum. All right. <laughs> Sorry, Luca. But when you get a he song would about you, you too. Pardon? He would choose you too. I really want to be best friends with him, but it's just not happening at the moment. Um, the right now. <laughs> <laughs> Jason Tatum or Victor Wembanyama? Yeah, I mean, I guess this kind of goes back to the Bancaro thing uh, and and even sort of less so or more so, depending on your perspective, because, you know, we're, we're getting a taste of what Bancaro is in the NBA. And uh, Victor, we just don't know. We don't have a clue. I mean, you've got people like LeBron coming out and calling him a unicorn and how unbelievable he is and how – you know, he's going to be one of the great ones. And that may very well be true. Uh, and and we could look back as soon as two, three years from now and say, man, to go with Tatum over him, like if you're building a franchise or whatever, like that's that's just dumb. You know, Tatum, yeah, he's a top five talent in the NBA, but this guy's going to be a top five player ever. I don't know. I, I just don't know. Like how much are we really gauging from when he when he burst onto the scene a matter of months ago to to the average person, right? To the people that haven't been following all the scouting reports for years and all of that stuff. Uh, I feel like I just and, and maybe this is a me problem, Sean. I don't feel like I know enough about him to say, yeah, it's absolutely Victor. I, I got to go with I got to go with sort of the known commodity, and then you know, in a few years, I guess we we reassess. Yeah, I mean, you know, he's he's seven foot four. He's got a seven nine wingspan. He handles it like uh, like Magic Johnson. He can, uh, uh, you know, he shoots like Steph Curry. I mean, you, you you've heard it all. I mean, block shots to boot. But um, you know, the the thing about him that 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 scares me, and you know, it's the same thing that that scared me about Chet Holmgren, which we're seeing. Uh, that scared me, but that scared you about. Yao Ming, that's scary mm-hmm. about Zadrunas Ogaskis, Phil Walton, Ralph Sampson, you go back through history. Guys that size have a hard time staying healthy, especially with their feet. Uh, that would be the biggest thing that, that would worry me about him. I think he probably has a higher upside, uh, you know, just at his size than, than Jason Tatum. Uh, and considering he's 18, I mean, it's, it's uh, you know, who knows how good this guy's going to be. But, uh, you know, when you get in the end, uh, I, I'm worried he's going to be too injury prone. So for me, I think the biggest thing is, and I'm going to be quite honest here, I'm a little bit skeptical to trust the what we're seeing at the moment from him against French league opposition. Right. Right. Because I've just Googled it. This is why I, the French league is the fifth ranked league in Europe. So there's four other leagues where there are better players. Number one is obviously Spain, then Turkey. Then you're gonna have like the VPD VTB league, which is Russia, Russia, Belarus, and all that. Then Italy, then France. Now and the NBA be is better than all of them put together. Like not like just one of them, but like, all of them put together still <laughs> couldn't. Like, 
a, a Euro, I'd like to see Europe Euro League All Stars versus NBA All Stars, just so we can still see there's a discrepancy. So I, I'm a bit cautious there. So I'm going to choose Tatum because I know Tatum can dominate at a top five level in the NBA. I don't know whether Victor Wembanyama can do that. Will ever be able to do that? Will be healthy enough to do that? And honestly, I don't care. He's not Jason Tatum, so it's just not happening. Right. Next up, we've got this. The last one on the under twenty five list. Jason Tatum or Sam Hauser? <laughs> uh, I mean, how do you go against Hauser? Even even Tatum knows that Hauser's a better shooter than he is. Guys, Hauser Matic. It's Hauser Mania. It's all that stuff. <laughs> Look, uh, obviously we know it's Jason Tatum, but Hauser has been uh, – I, I, if Hauser had the personality uh, or, or sort of the cachet, the clout, you know, this early in his career – to give a giant middle finger and I told you so to like all the fans and media out there that panicked when Danilo Gallinari went down and everyone said, well, how are you going to replace him? Because it sure as hell isn't Sam Hauser, you know, for him to be coming out and doing what he's doing, you know, it's, it's more than a, a, a silver lining. It's a blessing in disguise. Like you're, you're now at a point with Sam Hauser where he's a, a part of the rotation. He's a lights out shooter, has the ability to be that microwave off the bench and, and, and you're saying, you know, as, as an organization, I'm guessing, you know, man, like, is, is Gallinari ever even going to wear a Celtics uniform? Like, is, is, is he even going to be on this team next year? Because we don't need him. You know, it, it, like, you'd like to have him. It's, you know, sort of an embarrassment of riches, obviously, if you can have another wing and another experienced shooter and a veteran presence coming off the bench. But Hauser has filled that role way better than most people anticipated he was going to. Yeah, when 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 Jason Tatum shoots forty five percent from the three point line, you can come talk to me. Until then, I'm sick with Sam Hauser. Thank you. And he was at like fifty four percent a week ago. Yeah, right. I've never seen the Celtics run a flappy set for for Jason Tatum. I've seen them run it for Sam Hauser. That's, That's what I'm saying. I, I do also like the house about them apples. Whenever I'm tweeting about him hitting threes, <laughs> I, I do like. I'd like to see him wear a t shirt when he sticks that middle finger up. How's about yeah. them apples? I'd be okay with that. I'm still choosing Jason Tatum, but it, that one's the closest one out of the entire <laughs> list. Even closer than Luca. I'm joking. Yeah. I jest. I jest. Okay, now we're going to start looking at stars. I know Luca's a star, but more old He's stars. under 25, though. So. Yeah, now we're going into the old people's home now. So, Jason Tatum or LeBron James? I mean, what are we saying? It, this, like, is you, you gotta, this is so you're you're starting the playoffs, right? So you're so starting you, the playoffs, so you, get, you gotta you gotta you win the finals. You're, you're starting you the postseason. Right. Yeah, it's 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 Tatum, uh, but not it's not even necessarily. Oh, Tatum's a better player. It's Tatum. You know, has he doesn't have the mileage on on his legs that LeBron has. He doesn't have the injury history. He's you know obviously uh, now we can say like you might you know months ago you would have said and. Oh, a knock against Tatum is he's never been there. LeBron's been there umpteen times and knows what to expect, and he's won it and blah, blah, blah. Well, Tatum, you know, hasn't won it, but now at least he's been there. He has a taste of it. He has a sense of what it takes to get over the hump. And, um, you know, if, if he isn't turning the ball over like uh, like he's, you know, paid to do so, he, uh, you know, is is a guy that is is going to win you series. And, and we saw that early in the postseason, in particular last year, even at, at points, obviously, against – the Bucks and the Heat before he sort of, uh, by his standards, crumbled against the Warriors. So um, it's it's Tatum, you know, not not dismissing LeBron, just acknowledging that the guy's 37, 38 years old. Yeah, yeah there's no question when you watch LeBron that he's lost a little bit of, you know, when he complains about the ref, uh, what I see is that he's not getting to the same spots that he used to uh, uh, as easily. So give me Jason Tatum on that one. I like Jason Tatum, so I'm going with Jason Tatum. <laughs> Should we just assume <laughs> that everyone's seen that coming? <laughs> that, that's my I like. I mean, there's going to be a couple here where I probably go the other way, but uh, okay. I'm finding it very hard. All right, Jason Tatum or Giannis Antetokounmpo. So uh, this this is where I break ground. To me, it's Giannis. Uh, Giannis is the best player in the NBA, has been for years. He's going to continue to be for a little while. He's still, what, 27 years old. He is, you know, by no means like a, an old guy like some of the other guys I'm sure we're going to talk about. He is as elite offensively as he is defensively. And this is a perennial defensive player of the year candidate and multiple time winner. 
you know, he's uh, he has won a championship, obviously. So he's not one of those guys that you say he's got this stigma against him. Like it, he could retire now. He'd be a Hall of Famer. Yeah. So yeah. he is. Uh, yeah, it's it's Giannis. And I would love to view Tatum in that same light uh, as just being this unstoppable force. And maybe one day we will. Maybe within a couple of years we will. But right now, right in the heart of his prime, it's Giannis. Yeah, I do. And I think Tatum's getting there. I really do. Um, I, I would agree that. Uh, I'm going Giannis at this point. You know, you get him going downhill. He's uh, as good as anybody. He can't shoot the three. That's something that that Tatum's got over him. Uh, obviously, a better free throw shooter as well. Uh, but the way Tatum's been attacking the basket, the strength that he's used uh, in in terms of of realizing that hey, I'm a big guy. I can go in there, take some contact, finish, go to the free throw line, uh, and get my points if I miss. So. Um, you know, I, I think eventually Tatum's going to pass Giannis. I don't think he's quite there uh, at this point, though. Giannis is a real life monster. It's it's that simple, right? Like when, but the first half of that game where the monsters were winning, I'm going with Giannis too. I think that uh, I agree with you, Sean. I think there's a world where Tatum surpasses Giannis because Tatum's a free level scorer. We've seen Giannis had that mid range pull up this year. We know he can shoot the free a little bit, but it's not really. That I'm I'm not scared if Giannis pulls up from free. What I'm scared I'm scared if Giannis takes a step inside and then just barrels to the rim. Hmm. I'm going with Giannis, but I'm keeping a question mark next to it for about a year or two, and then I'll make a final decision. Check back with me. What will to be confirmed? <laughs> Jason Tatum or Kevin Durant? Uh, that's Tatum, uh, you know Durant, and I know that we we've been talking a lot about Durant for months because of all the trade rumors with Jalen in the offseason, but uh, uh, he's still a superstar in this league. He's still an incredible scorer. Uh, he is not maybe the best teammate, especially if you see some of his latest comments to Chris Haynes about, uh, you know, how the pressure within that Nets organization to win falling upon him and and look what I have around me kind of thing. I'm sure that went over well in the locker room, but if we're just, you know, it's so he's, he's not a guy that I expect to really lift those around him, which I think is very important uh, truthfully. And I think Tatum is increasingly becoming that much better a leader. But if we're talking purely about ability, uh, it's probably pretty close. And what Tatum, um, I've I've mentioned this with some of the other guys we've talked about, what Tatum doesn't have, and knock on wood he won't for a long time, that Durant does is injury history. And I would worry about him breaking down. Yeah, going back to 2019 when uh, Kevin Durant tore his ACL, uh, tore his uh, Achilles, uh, you know, he's – very few players have done more to go down in value than, than than Kevin Durant without losing that much on the floor. Uh, you know, just just the way he's carried himself, just starting with lo- leaving Golden State, a situation where he could have kept winning, uh, and then going to Brooklyn and, and everything that's happened since. Um, yeah, he's 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 taken a few steps backwards here, uh, just just by sort of shooting himself in the foot. So uh, I'm going to go with Jason Tatum in part, as you said, Adam. Just He's a better teammate. I'd rather have him on my team. I'd still like to be friends with Kevin Durant. The, the, the story about him and Michael, the story about him and Michael Rappaport, where he was like in Michael Rappaport's DMs, like, "Yo, come meet me. I'm gonna bust you up." Like, I, I want to be friends with a guy like that. I mean, if you're ever in a jam, that's the type of guy you want to be able to call, right? Him, Blake Griffin, those type of guys. I want to be friends with anyone who wants to fight Michael Rappaport, is what you're saying. <laughs> no, I really like Michael Rappaport. <laughs> Michael, like if you're the, listening, we're sorry. I like the antagonist. Um, I find him ever so entertaining. He's got but a funny I, accent, too. Go ahead. <laughs> he's just so angry. <laughs> yeah. uh, I'm still going with Jason Tatum. Uh, for all the reasons everybody's just said, plus the fact that Jason Tatum isn't heavy online ripping all the Celtics reporters for having an opinion. God forbid we have an opinion. Jason Tatum or Steph Curry? Hmm. Uh, that's close. That's real close. I, I feel like you could ask me the same question in five minutes and I'd have a different answer. Um, I guess I'm going to go Steph and I'm not going to feel great about it, but I would feel I, I'd answer the same way if I said Tatum. I just look, he, he won the championship last year. He's won a billion of them already. He's the best three point shooter in NBA history. That matters, especially in the postseason when you're looking for a guy to get hot. He's an incredible offensive player and, uh, you know, a, certainly a leader and a good teammate, a good person. Uh, that's not to say Jason Tatum isn't any of those things. We've been, <laughs> we've, we've been harping all about how he is all of those things. 
but Steph is just more accomplished at this point in time. And we're not talking about five years from now. We're talking about this year. So I would go Steph. Yeah, I, I can certainly see that. I, I'm going to go with Tatum, though. Uh, I just think that when you get into the playoffs, one thing that you see teams do over and over again is is find your defensive weak link and 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 target them. And I think Curry's actually gotten better defensively, uh, but he's still he's still one of the weak links, one of the guys they're going to target uh, when uh, uh, when he's out there. And and you can't Tatum again being a plus defender. Uh, give me Jason Tatum on this one. I genuinely believe Steph could pull down a rebound and score from wherever he lands with that rebound. <laughs> just boom, free from anywhere, anywhere. He could do it at halftime from the locker room. It doesn't matter for that reason. Steph Curry, and that hurts. That hurts my soul. I'm sorry, Jason. <laughs> um, <laughs> Jason Tatum or Kawhi Leonard? Tatum. Definitely Tatum. I mean, Kawhi yeah. just, you know, if we were talking about Kawhi, you know, on the heels of winning a championship with the Raptors, we're having a different conversation. But, you know, Clipper Kawhi, the Kawhi that, that we know right now who can't seem to stay on the floor, no way. Jason Tatum. Yeah, Kawhi's not been the same, so let's let's go with Tatum on that one. But Tatum's laugh isn't as funny. <laughs> it's true. It's true. That, that, that matters. But that <laughs> matters to me. Jason Tatum or Jimmy Butler? Tatum, definitely Tatum. Um, and we might view Tatum and the Celtics in a different light if Butler had hit a certain three-pointer in game seven last year, but uh, he didn't, fortunately. And so uh, the the Celtics, you know, are, are uh, again, a team on the precipice and, and on the rise and all of that. But Butler's a great player, and he has been at, at multiple stops. I'm not sure he's the best teammate. Again, multiple stops, you know, not easily uh, the, the most easy-to-coach guy, but, um, you know, he's, he's, he's a – a bulldog for sure. Like he's a hell of a player. He's not a guy. He is a guy that scares me in a, in a game seven in a postseason series, but you know what Tatum does too. And uh, Tatum has emerged, you know, between those two it's Tatum. Yeah. You know, and uh, Butler is on this list because of, you know, we, we, we put the qualifier in as, as this being, you know, at the start of the playoffs and, you know, he's such a tough, tough, uh, tough, tough guy when it comes to the playoffs, you know, he finds ways just go. The funny thing, I I hate watching Jimmy Butler because everything he does is hard. Like every he never, there's nothing easy for Jimmy Butler. He gets to the line, and 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 those are easy points, I suppose. But you know, just man, he just, but he does it, and 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 I respect him for that. Uh, still, I think things are just easier when Jason Tatum's on the floor. So I'm going to go Jason Tatum on that one. I got no time for the Miami Heat. I'm going Jason Tatum. <laughs> <laughs> I want all the smoke. Finally. And this is going to be the hardest one of all of them, apart from the Sam Hauser one. And I want to know this, actually. Jason Tatum, prime Larry Bird, or Sam Hauser? <laughs> <laughs> well, we, we've, we've answered. It was it was difficult, but we have answered the Hauser question. I'm surprised we're not talking Jokic at all. Uh, Tatum versus Bird, uh, prime Bird. I will take prime Larry Bird. Uh, because, uh, because how is I, as a Celtics fan in good conscience, not? You have to take prime Larry Bird. <laughs> Yeah, I would. Uh, it, it would be difficult. I'd, I'd probably take 1992 Larry Bird, even you know, lying on the uh, lying on the baseline because he couldn't move his back, so he actually had to you know lay down uh, uh, the entire game when he was not playing. Uh, yeah, you got it. This is Boston. You got to go, Larry Bird. I'm taking Sam Hauser. Jokes aside, I'm going. Barely even made me three pointers. Are you kidding me? I'm going. God, how, how many three pointers do you think Larry Bird would put up now, and if, if he played in this era? My oh, God, we'd be league leading. Might in be attempts. It's I don't, don't, I don't know conversion career, but in attempts, he's got to be league leading in attempts. Yeah. Now I'm going prime Larry too. Sam has is a close second though. <laughs> Sorry, I'm Jason. Yeah, I jest. Yeah. I jest. Right then, moving on back to some form of reality. Mm. We're going to play a game called Peyton Pritchard. It's not really a game, but it should be because Peyton Pritchard should play more games. This is the point. He's been buried on the end of the bench for the majority of the season. This is the same dude that when Schroeder got traded, thank you, whoever traded the basketball guts, when Dennis Schroeder was sent packing, I was very happy. But it also meant that Pritchard started playing again, played a significant bench role on that run to the NBA Finals. Comes this season, Brogdon gets added. I like Brogdon. Didn't like Schroeder, but still Pritchard's at the end of the bench. 
Brogdon all of a sudden goes down injured, and now we're seeing rebounding machine Peyton Pritchard all of a sudden start getting some minutes and making a serious impact. Do you think, like, is this why they didn't trade him? Is he reminding you what he can do? Like, There's a lot of questions now about having somebody of his level of talent as your fourth guy in the rotation, like fourth guard in the rotation, when your Malcolm Brogdon is so injury prone. So what have you seen from him? Do you think they should have traded him? Are you glad they kept him? Are they going to trade him? All these questions, Adam Kaufman's got the answers. Yeah, so Peyton Pritchard, is, it's an, he's another guy who's popular within that organization because they know what he brings to the table when he gets an opportunity. And we were talking earlier about Marcus Smart having to sort of bide his time and, and wait out guys. And I didn't even mention Isaiah Thomas. That was a guy that he had to wait out, you know, at the, at the very beginning of, of everything. You know, in the case of Pritchard, he got more of a run when when Brad was coaching. For whatever reason, he he got buried, and I don't it, I don't even think it was entirely Schroeder, but for whatever reason, he got buried under Ime before he finally did get that opportunity and and really took the ball and ran with it literally. And uh, now, you knew coming into this year he was going to get buried on the bench because, like you said, you 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 had Smart, you had White, you add Brogdon, you just you knew. Where the minute's going to come from? He was it, in, unless you're running 12 deep every night, which you know most teams are not doing. Where where's Peyton Pritchard fit in? But that being said, he always made sense as an insurance policy. You know, to like Smart has an injury history. Brogdon certainly is an injury history. Um, you know, you you can kind of go up and down the list of of guys who have had trouble, even Jalen Brown to a certain degree, staying on the floor where eventually an opportunity is going to come. And, and so that has arrived in, in recent games for Peyton Pritchard and he's performing well, he's shooting well, he's scoring the ball. Like you said, he's getting not just rebounds, he's getting offensive rebounds. He's, he's really making the most of his opportunity to the point where, you know, as soon as I sent out the tweet that after the Celtics put it out, that, that Brogdon and, uh, and smart, were going to be out against Atlanta. My entire Twitter feed, my mentions are all like it's it's PP it's fast PP night like but you know here comes P Rabbit Peyton Pritchard's going to drop twenty and ten you know against the Hawks like he he's just he's he's become sort of a, I don't want to call him like a, a a modern day Scal because I I think just you know no disrespect to Scal I think there's just more ability there as a as as an actual contributor to to winning but you know Peyton Pritchard has there's 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 a, a love there there's like a cult following to Peyton Pritchard. Uh, it didn't make sense to trade him because honestly, what are you going to get back for him that outweighs the depth that he provides you when a guy either sits out a random night or is unavailable because of injury? And uh, I, I think we're seeing it right now. So, uh, you know, rambling rant over Peyton Pritchard is important to this team on on on, on a, a, a lower level. Not not a guy you're going to want to see often in the playoffs because you want everyone in front of him to be healthy. But right now, regular season games, he matters. Yeah, that's the thing is that is that. Look, Malcolm Brogdon, in in a good year, uh, I, I think the Celtics came into this year expecting him to play 60 to 65 games at best. Yeah. Even if he's healthy, they're going to find, you know, if, if he's got an ankle injury, they're going to give him a couple extra games because they want him to be ready uh, in April and May. So, yeah, yeah I mean, you're always going to get some minutes from that, from, from Peyton Pritchard. The style that Marcus Mark plays, you know, you know that he's going to, uh, uh, you know, going to need some nights off. With he's got the ankle tonight, but uh, you know, he, it's always going to happen. And so Pritchard was always going to be somebody who, look, if you traded him, you might get some wing depth, but then you'd be saying, "Geez, now we need some point guard depth," and they don't, they don't have. It. So um, yeah, you know, this is this is exactly why they didn't trade him. They've got a strong, strong situation in their backcourt. I think they're going to keep that. They've got some some maybe problems uh, on the wings, maybe problems in terms of big guys, uh, and they'll deal with those as they come. But they're not going to mess up their their, their guard depth to uh, to go ahead and uh, solve another problem. I also think that for a team that shoots as many freezes the Celtics does, having someone like Pritchard as that backup guy, that fourth guy, that fifth guy, coming off the bench that can just light you up from wherever, like Steph Curry type range, not Steph Curry level of accuracy, but Steph Curry type range. That's a that's a huge bonus. It's great with him. He's one. Of, I like him as an off ball screener as well, right? Like they use him a bunch as like this inverted screener, just to get good switches for Tatum to just go and just torture dudes on, on mismatches and post guys up and just make them feel terrible about their life choices. 
Uh, I, I'm big on keeping Pritchard around for a while. I, I like him. I didn't want to trade him during the offseason. I saw a lot of people saying to attach him to Danilo Gallinari's contract. I was against that. Plus, there's a lot of fun nicknames you can use, and I'm down for as many nicknames as you want to throw out there. I love them. I find them hilarious. So I'm down to keep Peyton Pritchard to at least the end of the season. However, if a trade comes up that's best for his development, best for his career, I'm also very big on not roadblocking somebody from having an opportunity to be better or have more of an opportunity to keep growing. So if that did come up, I'd be all for it for him. I just hope he never played the Celtics. It'd have to be part of the deal. Like you can't. Play. No, I, I, well, there's, a, there's a CEO in in Utah who who would like to get his hands on uh, on Peyton Pritchard. I know that for sure. There That's completely fine. You can take Peyton Pritchard, but we want a couple of draft picks. You've got like yeah. millions Age, of them. Age, Age loves them. I know that. Yeah, I'm fine with that. Like, just give me a. Hmm, who would I want from Utah? I want kind of. I, I want Sexton. <laughs> sure. That seems like a fair trade. Seems like a fair trade. Yeah, no problem. It sounds I like an. Like give, give us Laurie Markkinen. It sounds like a Danny Danny Ainge type of negotiation tactic. You yeah. want a really deep bench guy. I want a star. Let's make the deal. Oh, we couldn't. We tried, but it didn't work. <laughs> <laughs> it, look, it, it, it takes two teams to make a trade, guys. Yeah, it takes one Danny Ainge to ruin it. Like he'll just be like, it just didn't work. Mm-hmm. They wanted Isaiah Thomas. We asked for LeBron James. It, we just couldn't reach an agreement. <laughs> right then, final one, final topic of the day. Al Horford recently spoke with Heavy on Sports NBA insider, not named Sean Devaney, named Steve Bullpet, who I only found mm-hmm. out recently was six four. Now I'm 6'3", so I'm not used to people being my height that aren't professional athletes, so I was very impressed by this. But Steve Bullpen... 6'4"? He is, yeah. God, I feel... I've been next to him, and I feel like I didn't even know that. All right, go ahead. How tall are you? Not 6'4". I'm like, I'm 5'10". See, I'm 6'3", so when people are taller than me, I'm like, yeah, you must have just been like on an angle or a slope, and it felt like... Yeah, maybe. We were were standing on different parts of a hill. (laughs) Just felt really even. Yeah. Weird. But Mr. Bullpet and all of his 6 ness spoke with Al Horford, who is much larger than 6'4, about what Al Horford wants to do with the rest of his career, or more importantly, how long Al Horford sees his career lasting. Horford said two or three more years. He'd like it to be in Boston, but he is 36, free agent at the end of the season. Me personally, I've learned my lesson about expecting Al Horford to re-sign with the Celtics, and I've learned my <laughs> lesson about expecting him to be willing to take a discount to do so. So for me, all the cards are on the table. He could end up in Philadelphia. He could end up yeah, in I Golden State. He'd go to OKC. Yeah, I've, I think Golden think State, Al, actually. You know, look, we don't know if they're going to win championship this year, but don't you think Al at least did learn the lesson that the grass isn't always greener? Yeah, I think so. I, yeah, you know, but money's I, really green. Yeah, and he's got a lot of it. He's got <laughs> more. He's got more of it than his grandkids will ever need. Yeah, but the great grandkids, you need to make sure they're taken care of too. Invest. <laughs> <laughs> I genuinely yeah, believe I that. Wonder, yeah. like, what 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 do you think would be fair? Let's say you're giving a two year deal to Al Horford, and and the Celtics are very kind. This is one reason they weren't able to get something done with Grant Williams. Uh, they're very conscious of sort of structure of, of you know, sure. making sure uh, the best guy gets the most money and this guy is the second, third, fourth. Uh, and, and the way they're structured now with Tatum, JB, both 32, $30 million. Uh, Brogdon is at two, $22.5 million. It's probably too much, but uh, that's where he is. Smart's at 18. Uh, uh, Derek White's at 18, probably too much. Uh, and Rob Williams is at 12. So they're not going to give him more than, than Rob Williams. So – you know, if, if it was two years and 20, if that's something Al, Al Horford would take and the Celtics would do that, I think that's probably about where that would land. So in in my head, and I, well, I'll, I'll come at this from a couple different ways. In my head, to me, Al Horford at, you know, at that point is going to be 37. He turns 37 in June. You know, if I'm looking at, let's say three more years. If, you know, if he continues the way he was last year, this year, just in terms of general health and ability and and you manage his minutes. And, and even right now he's playing more minutes than I would like him to be. He's averaging like 31, 32. I'd like to see him down at like 27. And maybe that'll happen as we get closer to the playoffs. I don't know. 
But if I'm looking at what he's doing right now, seemingly finding the fountain of youth, uh, you know, I, I could very easily justify 12 a year, right? Like three, three for 36, I, you know, rising cap. I could see that happening. I, I was, when I read Steve's article though, I was curious. And so I, I, I shot a text to our guy, Keith Smith, who I, is just better at this stuff than I am. And so I said, just out of curiosity, like, what do you think is a fair contract for Al? And his opinion was, and maybe you think it's high. You will think it's high. He, in his opinion, he said, I could see three for 45. I could even see three for 60 with some non-guaranteed money on the back end. Wow. You know, de- depending on how, obviously, the Celtics approached it. You know, that, like, three for... 60 seems even with non-guaranteed money seems a little nutty to me, but I could see three for 45 uh, as, as something the Celtics could justify or, or stomach. If, if he can, if he looks as, you know, as he does right now at the end of a, a long playoff run, if he doesn't, then all of a sudden you start thinking, is it 10? Is it 12? What we were talking about already. So what I want to say here is when we were talking about Horford's contract last time, and he ended up signing this deal with Philadelphia. Everybody was like, the last two years of that deal are going to be terrible. They're going to be awful. The last two years of that deal have been the best two years of the deal. And it's come in Boston, obviously. But his performance is, his game is ageless in the sense that he, on defense, he plays angles. He doesn't rely on athleticism. He doesn't rely on physicality as much. He mm-hmm. just cuts off the driving lanes and uses angles to really make things difficult for his man. On offense, Again, he's not an explosive guy, so he can lose a step or two, and his game doesn't change at all. Like he'll still be a free. Like he's improving his uh, three point attempts, he's improved his three point shooting, but as a screen and roll guy, just a passer and a floor stretcher, his game isn't going to change dramatically. He'll just have trouble keeping up with the pace of play in terms of going across the court, up and down, as as, as well as he does at the moment when he's nearly forty. I'm fine with three for forty five. I'm fine with three for 50, three for 60. There's got to be a lot of non-guaranteed money. It's got to be three for 45 and then a bunch of escalators on top that can get you mm. to 60. Sure. But keep Al Horford for as long as possible because I've just, the only other team I can see him going to, and I don't know why, I feel like the Warriors would be really interested in him just because their big man situation is so just abysmal. So you want to you want to like add for a decade too. <laughs> yeah. yeah, they keep winning anyway. It's it's the Steph Curry effect, but he's old now too. Um, I, I'm down for three for forty five. I think I draw the line at three for fifty. I like I said, I, I'd be really surprised if they go higher than than Rob Williams and Rob's at 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 twelve. Um, yeah. Just again, like just the, the the way they want to keep things structured. Uh, but and you know the other question is are they bidding against themselves. You know, who else is going to, you know, uh, the Warriors would make sense, but they can't, they can't give them more than the taxpayer bid level, uh, you know, which is 7 million. So they can't, they, it's not going to be a lot of teams out there. Uh, you know, the teams that will have money will be Detroit, Orlando teams like that who want young guys. I mean, those are the teams that are going to go after Grant Williams, but I don't see them going after at Horford. So, you know, it's, it's who are they going to be bidding against in the end? I've never understood this, right? You sign a, a mid-level exception to to play for the Warriors and you end up spending more than you earn in a year because of the housing costs, right? Like if you if I sign on for 10 million in Golden State for what is it say 6 million in Golden State for the year, my rent is probably 5. Then I've got to eat, I've got to train, I've got to travel. Like I'm 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 losing money and I'm not guaranteed a championship. No thank you. I don't want it. Al Horford, you know how I said we, he doesn't need more money. So I'm a Golden State, you need more money. Uh, we'll end with this then. Last week we spoke about Robert Williams. We gave our predictions on a return date. Mm. We don't know where we are with that yet, I said. What, when did I say? You said, I said uh, uh, 29th or something like that? Yeah, after Christmas. Like, nothing good comes on Christmas Day, apart okay. from presents and turkey. Yeah. Right, this week <laughs> what we're going to do is we're going to... be a selfish present to you as Rob Williams is back? Yeah, but then Rob, the, the, then what? Then the Grinch turns up, and Rob Williams is out for another two months, and now I'm sad. <laughs> I mean, it's Christmas is ruined. There isn't like a a groundhog effect. Like Rob Williams saw a shadow, and he's out another three months. <laughs> I mean, at this point, it's possible. 
it's possible <laughs> right so we're gonna do some uh we're gonna do some more predictions this time we're gonna do games so they've got two games on a road trip we're going new orleans and then chicago are they going two and oh one and one oh and two how'd you see it going oh boy well right now i mean they've they've won what seven in a row going into this atlanta game so you know with with these three games I mean, how am i going to pick against them how you know they they keep on winning they keep finding a way like they i have maintained i i've been sort of annoying about this at least on my podcast and and i've mentioned it on twitter a couple of times too this team doesn't have a real loss yet this year they're 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 11 and three and the three losses Two have come in overtime to Cleveland, and the other one was after blowing a 19-point lead to Chicago. I was all prepared for that OKC game to be the first loss of the year, the first real loss, because they were just kind of down and out. You know, they were never really in it until they were in it and won it. You know, they found a way. It was a gritty, gutty win. And so this team could be 14-0 and right now in this, you know, some alternate timeline for uh you know, community fans out there. So I, I'm not going to pick against them. They're just going to keep winning. I think, I think New Orleans is where it stops. You know, I, I, I the, the Pelicans right now, I really like the way they're playing their, their, uh, their depth. I like what Willie Green has done. Their depth uh, has been so good. Um, and, you know, coming off a great win against Memphis, you know, I just think the Pelicans, uh, that's, that that's probably where, uh, they run out of gas. We'll see what happens in Atlanta when people listen to this. Uh, we'll already know what what had happened, but uh, so I, I I think this is a one and one trip. I think uh, uh, I think that, that that the Pelicans are probably going to put an end to it. Jonas Valanciunas is my favorite non-star big man in the NBA. Um, he's going to feast against this Celtics team just yeah. on the boards. He's going to be like just gobbling everything, man. He's going to be so hungry. Like the Hungry Hippos. Do you remember Hungry Hippos? Oh, yeah. yeah Played all the time. Sure. I don't know where I got that from, but still, he's going to be really good. I, I like one and one, but this is a Celtics podcast, and we're not here for realism. We're here for Homer takes. I'm only joking. I'm going to go. I see them beating Chicago. Yeah. I, I don't see Chicago doing much. Not now the Celtics offense is ticking a bit more, but Chicago seems to be that, like, that slip team for Boston. They always seem to find a way to just get under their skin. I'm going to say that Boston, they're short on guys tonight. I think Atlanta win. I think Atlanta um, pushed them in the mouth early. I think they take advantage of the defense the way it is at the moment. And I say Boston go on a bit of a slide. That feel-good factor ends there in this road trip 0-3. 0-3? Oh, wow. Gross. Wow. I mean, I've been super nice for you. I've been super oh, nice three. the entire time. I've got to be I, a... I thought I was going to have to issue a, a long, heartfelt apology to the Commonwealth of Massachusetts for insulting the accent. You you need to apologize now for uh, for Owen oh, 3. My I'm God. I'm unapologetically fair. I've been so Homer on this episode. Like, I need I need some part of, like, I need to redeem some part of. Um... You did take Sam Hauser over Pete Larry Bird. I did like uh, unapologetically as well, and I did tread it back. I did, I did tread it back. I'm gonna go with Owen Free. I don't necessarily stand on that, but I think that there's, I think that one loss to this team, we're gonna start seeing how how deep their kind of uh, core runs, how, how strong they really are in terms of unity and being able to put things back on track. And I mean a real loss, right? Like you said, like really getting your butt whooped. So if, I think if Atlanta do that, if Atlanta whoop their butts bad, like we're talking garbage time in two minutes into the fourth, then I'm really interested to see how the next two games after that go. So there's a potential for 0-3. There's a potential for 2-1-1. On but I'm going to go with 0-3 just to kind of balance the scales back out from all my home takes for the episode. Fair enough. There you go. Right, Adam, thank you for joining us, man. I follow Everyone, make sure you follow Adam on Twitter. He's nearly at 40,000 followers, which is disgusting. Um, because that's I'm just humbled. so many people. Thank Pardon? you. I said I'm humbled. Thank you for you know 0.5k. How do you do that? Just said you know they're 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 all bots. I bought them. <laughs> no, nah, they all like it. Not fall apart soon, anyways. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> What's Twitter clout mean anymore when you can just buy a check mark for eight dollars a month? I know, right? Twitter gave me a check mark and took it away. Oh. I had it for all of two weeks, and I was really happy. We did a whole podcast episode about why I was so happy and what it meant as an. Why did they take it away? Guy. Did you get a reason? No, 
they just emailed me one day like we've decided that um, you no longer fit the guidelines for for need for being verified uh and they took it away and i they probably heard about the sam hauser love oh man now this i mean i didn't i just not long interviewed sam hauser i thought that was part of the reason i got the check mark but uh, they took it away i was really and i'd not long released a podcast about why it meant so much as an english guy covering the celtics to get the oh. verification i was like man and then I, I started using Instagram way more than Twitter out of boycott. So I'm I'm prepared for this Twitter death. I've been building <laughs> towards this for a while. I've been plotting. Right. Thank you very <laughs> much. <laughs> Thank you very much for joining us, Adam. As usual, if you've liked the show, make sure you subscribe if you're watching YouTube. Click follow if you're on Apple or Spotify. And myself and Sean Devaney will be rocking with you shortly, soon-ish. Sean, thank you very much, man. Thank you.